0: first lesson for today is from 1 Kings chapter 8. The book of Kings opens with Solomon's rule, introducing Solomon's rule to us. You have the account of the Lord saying, ask for anything you want me to give you, and Solomon asks for wisdom. And really in the in the flow of the chapters, the very pinnacle of Solomon is not the wisdom that God had given him, wonderful as that was. But the pinnacle is the temple that God had him build for his name. Remember, Maybe you remember <clears throat> from a few weeks ago, we looked at 2 Samuel, where David wanted to build a temple for the Lord, but God said, No, and Solomon now is completing it. The priests then brought the Ark of the Lord's Covenant to its place in the inner sanctuary of the temple, the most holy place, and put it beneath the wings of the cherubim. The cherubim spread their wings over the place of the Ark and overshadowed the Ark and its carrying poles. These poles were so long that their ends could be seen from the holy place in front of the inner sanctuary but not from outside the holy place. And they are still there today. There was nothing in the ark except the two stone tablets that Moses had placed in it at Horeb, where the Lord made a covenant with the Israelites after they came out of Egypt. When the priests withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled his temple. Then Solomon said, The Lord has said that he would dwell in a dark cloud. I have indeed built a magnificent temple for you, a place for you to dwell forever. The word of the Lord. Dear friends in Christ, today's a special day. It's the last, it's the last day for public worship in this building. Tomorrow, Monday, the 28th, then the 29th, then the 30th, and finally the 31st, we have no public, planned, gathered worship services I have something of a devotion I have in mind for New Year's Eve or New Year's Day for us as we transition to a new year. But what I'm getting at is this is a special day as we are gathered here, whether in spirit or in person, um, for worship. That was special throughout generation upon generation, for believers. Do you see yourself in, I, I, how do you put it, in a timeline? Do you see yourself holding on to a rope that goes both directions, one to the past and one into the future? And if you looked down the line into the past, there you would see a Simeon and an Anna holding on to the same Savior. This was a special day for them because Christmas like literally just happened and they were waiting and we're like 40 days after that Jesus, out of Bethlehem, now they're in Jerusalem, they're presenting baby Jesus there at the temple. This little 40-day-old is there and He did not look like much to the eyes, but that's not what this hand was doing. This hand on that rope was the hand on the word of God. The word of God, which is also the work of God, because everything God says, he does. Everything God promises, he makes happen and brings to actual fulfillment. And here, Simeon and Anna longing for the redemption, looking forward for the, we get these big words that are just brimming with meaning, looking for the redemption of Israel and the consolation, right, to come, the only comfort. They were hanging on to God's word that would be a comfort that was all to be in one place savior to come and this was the day that that hand on the rope was also a hand around a baby go back to the rope let's go farther back in time we're going to look at first kings chapter eight today and in the life of solomon and other believers they had their hands on a rope and that rope was the promise that we had heard a few weeks ago in Second Samuel 7 that David's house would be made a forever house. God was going to be about a huge building project himself. That's all of us. A forever house of people. And that's on, that is definitely on Solomon's mind. You don't forget a promise like that. So just as you and I are hanging on to something, so all believers have always been able to hang on to something that are the words and works of our God. And they give us comfort. They give us peace. And Solomon was knowing that there was a throne, and it was his privilege to be a part of a building project that would communicate the presence of God who keeps his promises and stays with us. Can we talk about that building project just for a little bit? 1 Kings chapter 8, we started at verse 6, and we read through 13. And verse 6 kind of brought us to the end of a seven-year project. The temple was built under Solomon in seven years. It was started in the fourth year of his reign, so then it would have been fit, finish, finished in his 11th year. So from year 4 to 11, this building project is going with 100, over 150,000 workers, like 180. Don't quote me on the numbers, okay? God can count the hairs of our head and the number of the workers. We can ask him someday. But Solomon had all these thousands of workers putting in over three thousand billion man hours of time to build the temple for the Lord. Previous to this, it had been 480 years, almost 500 years, uh, since they had come out of Egypt. 500 of you remember they came out of Egypt they wandered in the desert they got they were at Mount Sinai and they were given a pattern for worship and it was a tabernacle and they had a worship life with sacrifices and everything that they were to do and now Solomon has a Jerusalem, capital city, Solomon has the kingdom that God is behind and a throne that is going to endure forever. And he gets to build a place so many years later, so many years later after the wonders of Mount Sinai and this tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant. We finally get to the end of all these man hours then in time. Seven years, they whip this thing together, putting the three billion hours without stone or chisel or sound because it was to communicate to people a place of peace and quiet. You see, this temple that we arrive at the completion of this project was not anyone's own idea. But like the rope you hold on to It came from the mouth of God, the Word of God, the design of God, the plan of God to tell you things. And those things were incredible. It's largely a rectangle with two rooms. And the peace and the rest, as you just, you'd almost, you wouldn't hear it being built, but you would see it. Because the stone cutting and the logging that happened, was, those were miles away. And then they would bring all these things in and they just, in the peace and quiet, they would just put it together. And then they overlaid everything with gold. And you saw this come to fruition here in the first verse that we have. The priests bring the Ark of the Covenant. So they got those, that long pole thing they were talking about that we read just a little bit ago. They brought this into the big rectangle of stone overlaid with gold. That was the temple that Solomon built. Let me show you a... This is not big enough a poster for this temple but it does something. Uh, You see it over here. The building its the entrance to the rectangle. It's pretty tall and high and all of these things are a part of a communication tool. And what we get to see in this text is that all of these stones were done. The building the seven years were over. This is standing. And you can have to imagine this in your mind's eye that here come the priests. With the ark of God, which has always been communicating to you the presence of God. When they were led through the wilderness, the pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night, do you remember that? They were, they were led and they would pick up the ark. The ark led the way. We follow the Lord. They followed the Lord, and here they were going to bring this ark with its poles. It's a rectangular box, it's got its cherubim on top, and it has the two tablets of stone inside. And they're going to bring it in to the square, the back square of this rectangle. There's a back square called the Most Holy Place. And that's where this Ark of the Covenant was. Just like in the model of the tabernacle under Moses for 400 plus years. Now you have it in stone and under gold in, in this beautiful temple that Solomon was, was given to build for God in his seven year project. And they brought it into this room and it gets all dramatic in the text. It says they brought it to its place in the inner sanctuary of the temple, the most holy place, and they put it beneath the wings of the cherubim. Solomon had gigantic cherubim facing out the long the length of the rectangle, facing out in this little square over the cherubim that are on the Ark of the Covenant itself, and and they were there with the symbolism of these angels. They spread their wings over the place of the ark and overshadowed the ark and its carrying poles. These poles were so long that their ends could be seen. So we have a solid four verses just about what this little inner place looked like. And it communicates. Because that God of Egypt... That's 480 years down that rope from Solomon. We didn't go there yet. (laughs) That God who delivered a people that he had made out of Abraham by his grace and promise, that God was still their God. Same rope. And in, it's telling a story inside the ark of God's covenant promise that he had made with the people on Mount Sinai were the stone tablets that he had given to Moses that remained with the people. Are you, are you embedded into the culture of this nation and this story that walks with this God? And after you get the stuff and the people which would only remain stuff and people without God in it, after you get the details and the scene right, we're told the cloud. And the cloud filled the temple and it was so bright. It was so awesome. The priests could not serve there that day. The ark of God brought in to his dwelling place by his design and his communication to his people that he made for himself, that he brought this far and promised a forever kingdom. He came and dwelled among them. So awesome. You didn't come into this space trembling. They trembled that day. Oh, it's like Mount Sinai the dark cloud that was on top of Mount Sinai. Hebrews tells us that the law was delivered by angels. You got your. You go into that temple of Solomon, you have cloud, you have angels, you have the stone tablets God gave on that mountain, and you have only one who can go into the most holy place, that little square room in the back. Only one, once a year, could go into that room. Only the high priest, just like only Moses, everybody else, had to stay out in the courtyard zone at the foot of the mountain, right? So just in the same way they had a holy place front of the rectangle, they had a most holy place back of the rectangle, and everybody outside, only the priest could come in, and the, most, the, the high priest was the only one once a year with blood on his hands would come into the most holy place to sprinkle on the Day of Atonement the blood of the Lamb on behalf of the sins of the people. And he'd sprinkle it, that holy law of God that was in that ark, that holy God who dwelled in the cloud among the people. We had bloodshed that we might have peace with him. And Solomon sees all of this and he gets to say a line of praise or a hymn that says, did you hear what he said at the end? The Lord has said that he would dwell in a dark cloud. He said it and he did it see he's his word and his work he said it he said he would dwell in a dark cloud this isn't just an anomaly this isn't some sort of funky condensation going on in the most holy place this is the lord that's the lord in his presence he said he would dwell in a dark cloud. He's making a proclamation of God's keeping his word to dwell among this people and be their God, without which we die, without which we have nothing, without which there is no peace, there is no Christmas, there is no New Year, there is nothing. Nothing. That is the rope Solomon is proclaiming. He said he would dwell in a dark cloud. That's God Communicating to his people, I'm right here. It's so beautiful. You came into a worship space today that was built almost 20 years ago. It was described to me. I'm on the phone thinking about coming to Colorado. What is the church like? I'm talking to Pastor Tim Westendorf from Abiding Word. It's, hmm, intimate. That's the word he used. It's intimate. There are so many things that churches can't communicate in the name of God. And one of the words that he felt this communicated was he enjoyed the intimacy of this. Solomon And many believers before also knew a God who was so intimate. He was right there in the most holy place. They also knew a God who was so awesome and so holy. And yet he's given us a way through one to get close by the blood of a lamb. To get close to his presence. There's no clouds in here this morning. Excuse me. There's no clouds in here this morning. You know what? When Simeon and Anna grabbed onto that rope, they didn't have a cloud either. They didn't even have a gospel read to them that talked about Jesus who died on the cross when the temple curtain was torn in two and darkness blocked out the light of the sun and And dead people came out of their graves, and Jesus rose again. They didn't have that either. They had the word of God and a baby's face. And yet Simeon could close his eyes and open them and sing back to God a hymn of praise. Sovereign Lord, Sovereign Lord, Lord of all, Lord Almighty, you are, you have fulfilled your word. I have, my eyes have seen salvation. My eyes have seen salvation. I can see Solomon. I could see other people saying, That God is our Savior. He took us out of Egypt. That's a cloud. That is the Lord. He said he'd dwell in a dark cloud. I could see them getting it. And here it is, Simeon's turn. And he's on that rope and he says... My eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared in front of everybody. You can't say more glowing things about a baby face than that. The light for the Gentiles, the glory of your people Israel. And so it is, you come into your intimate environment with Carpeted floor, painted ceiling, and where do we gather? What's around us? What does it say to you? Wood. I wasn't there on the building committee for this church, but I see three essential pieces on the floor appear that they said, we're going to have to have space to fit these three things. We need these three things to be in front of people. We don't need an ark with long poles. We're not going to be bringing blood of lambs up into a most holy place that we have to make in the shape of a square. We have the Lamb of God who was slain to take away the sin of the world and we have him risen again. We have before us a cross and it's elevated. We have here a little mount, a mount of, is it a mount of glory? At, at the In the face, on the face of it, the baby face of it, it's just wood it's just a symbol it's just a sign and yet here we are gathered at golgotha the place of jesus death with the cross lifted before your eyes can you see the cross from over there maybe not can you see the cross from over there so everybody has we've we've designed the building so that everybody can see the cross when you come to church we're going to make sure that you see a cross it's a moment in time it's a story of our god and it's the truth that he died for your sins. And we're going to have a baptismal font that is in front of people with the symbol of the Spirit on its face that you'd be reminded you were born of water and the Spirit in the name of Father, Son, and Spirit. This is a place of death and new life, buried with Christ, says Romans, and raised again with him. This is glorious. Maybe I shouldn't touch it. Just how do we communicate the awesomeness of the things we get to see? Your sins were paid for. We stand at the foot of the mountain looking at the cross. We connect to his burial and resurrection at the font. That's what happens here. And in the center of your space is a table. You intimate ones, make sure you know you have access to this. That there's no... There's no great distance. There's no huge railing. We didn't build a wall right here. You can't really see what happens behind this wall. Nope, there's a table here. There's a table here on which the body and blood of our Lord are truly present whenever we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And on his terms, the dwelling of the fullness of, of the glory of God in his face is also the dwelling of his fullness and his presence in the Lord's Supper. You, 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 come close. Take and eat. This is my body. I, who am the temple of God, God's dwelling with you. Isn't it awesome? We don't have cloud, We have everything that God has given to us in Christ, communicated and administered to you here in worship. And right here, when all would be silent, is a place for God to have a mouth in your life the awesome God of the cloud that was present with them, he said he would make the application. Jesus says, those who reject you reject me. Whoever hears you hears me. Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. We say the word of the Lord. The gospel of the Lord we stand and hear and remember this is what he has done for us. This is what he says. This is just me and my intimate hour with my God. Brothers and sisters, I want you to look at this space differently. I want you to look at what has been put in front of your eyes every single week so you would have an opportunity you know you can do this from home you can have a cross in your house and on your wall you can open up scripture and know that it is the voice of god but we also have the chance as a blessing of the Lord to come together as a community and to encourage one another to see the story of God, to step our toes into what God has done for us, his words and his works so brought together in their fullness as they speak into my life and they speak into your life, that you could bring your struggle with your identity here to this place and have this story be told to you. That cross would speak to your identity. You could bring your struggle with self-control into this place and you would see a cross. You could bring your challenge with relationships here into this place and be made whole, and and find it at the cross, and what God has done for you, how much He loves you. You would come and sit and be receivers of the gifts and blessings of God, marrying them to all the holes and aches and pains and troubles of your daily life, so that you could be healed, and you would hold, and you would sing, "I have seen your salvation. Now you let your servant depart in peace, and go." Up Into that wicked world to struggle and wrestle and fail and come crawling back in on hands and knees, Lord, have mercy on me, and here see a cross and a font and hear a word and take the Lord's Supper. This is what we get to do together. This is what God has blessed us to do for this past year let's give thanks to him for that, and let's continue to bring our sins, our shame, our troubles, and our pains. Here, into this place, that the word of God might be spoken, that God would communicate to you through the sign, symbol, sacrament, and word, and so change you from dust and ashes to co-heirs of eternal life and partakers of the glory of his Son, Transfiguration Day, Jesus finally was surrounded by cloud. And a cloud that said, This is my son, listen to him. And it is this Jesus in the fullness of glory who is here with you right now. And speaking to those. Whose hands are on the rope, same rope, just further down in time. To encourage you and say, surely I am with you always. Surely you are mine and no one can snatch you out of my hand. And to cast before your eyes a future, because I live, you also will live his words, which I can guarantee you will also be his works. God be praised. Amen.